the book of Genesis, chapter 5, one simple verse, at least a verse to begin with, and we'll look at uh, different thoughts through the scriptures as well. This is that time of the service when we uh, open up God's Word and it's declaring the Word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Trust God to help us to do that tonight. That uh, recent, as I mentioned this morning, that recent... uh, compilation of comments and tidbits of sermons from that well-known big name. I don't like to mention it, but, um, you know, we're, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities and powers. And when somebody goes so far off the deep end, I think it's necessary to warn and, uh, uh, the person that I was referring to this morning and again referring to tonight is Andy Stanley. And if you have anything that you're following with him, I just caution you, uh, make sure, because it seems as though he has really departed from thus saith the Lord. And uh, very clearly in that uh, compilation he said that and it troubles me and I want to make it known I want to be make sure that it's understood that I'm not up here to talk about my own thing I'm not up here to talk about what I feel like I should be saying from my own heart even if I'm talking to you from my heart it comes from a heart of a pastor and I'll tell you that But uh, when the preacher preaches, it should be, and I trust that it is, trust that I stay that way, thus saith the Lord. That's what we need. Will you bow your head with me this evening as we ask God's divine help? Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity that we have to be in your house, in your presence. Thank you for your special touch this morning. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. You're you're always here, and we're grateful for that, but for that extra special visitation this morning of of rejoicing and our hearts welling with praise and adoration to you. Thank you, Lord, for the promises that we can stand on. Even tonight, the special song that you're bigger than all of our problems. I pray now that you would help us, help me to be able to clearly state, thus saith the Lord in this message tonight. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm intrigued with, um, and I know that you are, at least in some measure as well, if we were to stop and really talk about it, with that chapter in the book of Hebrews that we call the faith chapter. You know, these people that had such tremendous faith, that did some tremendous exploits. It's incredible to see and to read those things. And but one thing that really stands out to me that is, that is recorded in Scripture 
And here in Genesis chapter 5, verse 22, it states it real clear. And I've preached from this verse, I don't know how many times, a number of times across the years, and don't believe that I've ever preached this message or preached this verse from this angle. But Enoch walked with God. Now again, that's Old Testament. He didn't have the Scriptures like we have the Scriptures. We, we are so blessed and too easily it's comfortable for us to take it for granted that, that, that we have this. But Enoch walked with God without having anything like this. Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. What an incredible, incredible statement here. That he walked with God. We find that there's a number of other people in Scripture that had a, a close relationship with God as well. There was Noah that was pretty close to him, that, that God spoke to Noah, and he did some, some unbelievable things in this building of a boat and building of an ark. That He never knew what rain was. He didn't know what floods could be, and yet he obeyed the voice of God. We could talk about Hezekiah, we could talk about Abraham, we can talk David and Paul and a host of others, the prophets, those that have walked with God, and, and they, they did things because God spoke to them specifically to do them. Enoch walked with God. One of the things that my wife has... Uh, um, you know, dare I say it this way, but she has annoyed me over the years because I have always had a tendency to to walk fast and go go everywhere I went. To, she says uh, ninety miles an hour. I'm not that way so much anymore. I've had to slow down in the last couple of years, but. I went all the time. I just I felt like if I went to the store, I was rush in and rush back out, and and I'd go to a tree stand to go deer hunting. My kids would fuss at me, Dad. Just slow down. Just take your time. I don't know why I thought I had to get there so fast. This day that we live in is a day of rush. It's a day of hurry. It's a constant moving. We find it difficult to slow down and uh, what you want to say right here, smell the coffee, smell the roses, enjoy life, enjoy the sunset, enjoy the sunrise. Some of you don't know there is a sunrise, but there is. We're just so busy. We're finding it more and more that people are enjoying the sunset pictures. They're, they're gasping at the glories of the sunset paintings that God paints in the sky as that sun sets. And we're just slowing down. People are slowing down to enjoy. It's such a rush, rush world. When the power goes off, we are really, really limited unless you have a backup generator that kicks on pretty quickly or 
maybe uh, soon you can get it hooked up and and uh, get the power back on. But when the power goes off, it just it just changes our world because suddenly we come to a screeching halt. There's not a whole lot to be doing. You can't even charge your phone unless you have a battery backup pack. Enoch walked with God. One of the things about uh, my wife and I is that we have a hard time walking together. Because, I know I've, I've said this before, because she's a, a fair amount shorter than I am and takes much smaller steps than I do. And when I go 90 to nothing... Um, you know, she has a hard time keeping those little steps going and, you know, 190 mile an hour. But Enoch walked with God. You say, well, why are you repeating that so many times and you're just, you're just uh, beating around the bush here with talking about the rush and the walk? And, and well, it's because there's something very significant about the importance, the necessity, as we see Enoch walked with God, that there are some key elements that helped him to be able to do that. And I believe, even though Scripture doesn't point it out specifically that Enoch did it, that we can realize that it is for us to be able to accomplish that same testimony that we we walked with God. One thing will be that we have to do it God's way. There are some keys to the conditions of walking this way. There's some keys. What are those keys? Uh, what, 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 what must we do in order to, to walk with God? Well, first of all, we have to be going the same way. Now, don't just uh, stare at me like that's uh, silliness and not very profound. It is, it is very profound because we're finding, you know, we're finding that people are trying to go their own way and still claim to be going God's way. But if we're walking with God, we're going to be walking God's way. We're going to be doing what God says. We're going to be obedient to His Word, to His commands. We must be going the same way. We must be in harmony. There is a principle here that, that picks in that, or that steps into the equation. As we're going His way, we're going to be walking in harmony. There's going to be a harmony of aim. Not only direction, but of aim. When my wife and I walk, had, we don't try it anymore, we just go. But when we tried to walk arm in arm, you know, or, or arm around each other, uh, it had to be intentional. It wasn't just something that came. Some of you people don't have any clue because you're about the same height, you take the same steps, but it was intentional for us. Some of you know what I'm talking about because of your height differences. It was intentional. There has to be an intentional step with us to walk in harmony with God. Enoch walked with God. He was in step with God. That's walking at the same pace. That's taking the same steps. 
Maybe if we can illustrate it a little bit from Scripture, we can look at the life of Peter. And Peter, it tells us in the New Testament that he followed afar off, which meant that he was not in in harmony. He was not walking at the same pace. He was lagging behind. And if we want to spend the time tonight, we can really go into how dangerous it is to walk at a different pace or lag behind instead of walking with him. That Peter found himself in the very point of denial that Jesus just hours before warned him against. Oh, I know we won't do that. That's not going to be a part of us. And yet we find it such real in other people's lives. And unless we are intentional to avoid it, there's a good likelihood that we too will fall into that same category, that we will fall far behind. We must keep up the pace with God's purpose, God's plan. We must continue. There's an endurance that's involved. An endurance. Endure through the storm, through the problem. You know, I'm glad for the reminder that God is enough and God's big enough, as they sang. God is sufficient and His grace has been promised to us to be sufficient. But when that storm hits, when that, when that fire is lit and, and we're facing the, the uh, lion's den or we're facing some kind of, uh, of trouble in our lives, it's easy to forget and lag behind or stumble at the promise. We must keep the pace. We must continue and endure. How can we do that? Well, there's a key to that. There, there, is, there is something that stands out of vital importance for every single one of us. It's, it's not just limited to the weak. It's not limited to the person who struggles the most. It's not, it's not limited to the one that has to, that has to have an extra crutch in, in spiritual life. No, it's not for them. It's for all of us. So listen up. We must keep company with Jesus. Did you get that? We, we must keep company with Jesus. That's just a different way of saying the old cliche that uh, sometimes has been, been abused and used as, a, as a, you know, a, magic, a magic wand to get there on somebody's own way, a personal, you know, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? You know, you can tell that to somebody else and put them under conviction. You know, what would Jesus do in this sense? And usually as an effort to get them to do what you want them to do. But we must, we must keep company with Jesus. We, we would ask ourselves the question, would Jesus do this? Would, where would Jesus go in this circumstance? What would, what would he do in these situations? Where would I find him in the circumstances that I experience in my life? And if we look close enough, we will probably understand that in the darkest of times for Jesus Christ, what we find him and where we find him is in the place of prayer. You know, there's a Gethsemane to go through. There's that experience when he sent all the the multitudes away and he even left his disciples and, and sent them in a different direction. There was times when he needed to get away for prayer. 
What would Jesus do? Where would he go? What would be his experience in these circumstances? Would he, would he in these circumstances, in, in my particular circumstances, would, would he shy away from somebody and minister to somebody? Would he be afraid to go to somebody? Would he be afraid to go to that crowd? Would he, would he shy away from the sick chamber and from the hospital chamber or from, from the prison? And would, would he, what would Jesus do? We have to be in step with him and we must keep company with him. There's that relationship that's going on with him. Enoch walked with God. If he was walking with God, then that would mean that he was not walking with the world. Because God and the world don't walk hand in hand. You'll never convince me. I don't believe anybody could ever convince me that the the direction that the world goes in is the same direction that God is in. Because everything it seems to me that God has in his word that speaks about the things of the world is usually completely the opposite. So many of the parables that Jesus presented to the disciples and to his, to his hearers back in his day had the idea that he was presenting to them something that they could understand through these parables, but it was a complete different picture from the heavenly standpoint. Giving to them the understanding that if you give up your life, you'll find it in him. But if you seek your life in this world, you'll lose it in the world to come. Those are all strange things that goes against the grain of the world. I believe that if we're going to have an experience like Enoch did, Enoch did, then we're going to have to be walking with him and not with the world. Dare I even say it this evening that if we're walking with him, he may even lead us to some strange places. I still don't understand why Jacob and his family went to Egypt. I know there's all kinds of things that we can talk about and we can present, but God knowing what was down the road for the Israelites in Egypt, why did they go there? There's a lot of stuff that we can look back on and understand and grasp and realize why things happen. But, you know, at the very moment and uh, facing, uh, it's hard to understand those things. He may lead us to some strange places. Walking with God could also mean that we're walking alone as far as the world can see. Walking alone. There's not very many people that go this way. You see, the Scripture tells us it doesn't limit the gospel to a few. It's just a few that find the straight gate. It's not limited to a select number. It's only a certain few that find the narrow path. 
It could get lonely. It might get lonely because you see the successes of people all around us who claim to be a follower of Christ and and they, they might testify to so many wonderful, miraculous things. But God doesn't allow you to walk the path that they're walking. And it looks as though they're being a success or living a successful life. Enoch walked with God. He listened to what he understood and knew, knew to be, thus saith the Lord. It means that there's going to be a walking by faith. You know, we could spend a lot of time going down through all of these people that's listed in Hebrews chapter 11. You know, it's an incredible list of people that walked by faith down one after another. You know, we could pick out Abraham down here in verse number 8 by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. There were some times that Abraham stumbled. You know, he did some things that he should not have done. He had to repent. He had to build another altar. But his heart, we find, was always ready always ready to obey God when it was brought to his attention. And so we find that he is listed here by faith Abraham. I like this bulk part that comes on down here into the later passages where he just kind of bulks them all together. I don't have time, he said, to go into all of these other people. And there's just a whole group, this, this, this great cloud of witnesses. It's a walk by faith. You know, our walk with Jesus Christ, our walk with God, the very same kind of walk that Enoch had is going to be this kind of walk where we walk by faith. Walking by faith means that I'm believing Him, I'm trusting Him. Again, I love the words to the song that the songwriter penned for us to sing and to feel it, even to to feel it for ourselves, that I, I may not be able to see His hand, uh, trace His hand. I may not be able to see His plan, but I can trust His heart. I can trust Him. We live in a strange age, don't we? Sometimes it's easy for us to think that it, this is worse than ever before. I'm not convinced that it is worse than ever before. Maybe it's worse than what we've ever experienced, but there's really nothing new under the sun. It, it, the devil's been cantankerous from the beginning. He's done everything that he can to destroy faith in people's lives. He's done everything he can to destroy people. Uh, the, the thief does not come except for to kill, steal, and destroy. And, and we can repeat that over and over again until we grasp the understanding that that is the picture of Satan in all generations and in every generation. I believe that was Brother Malloy that spoke about it out at convention. Every generation must have a renewed experience of the divine presence of God. Every generation. 
Because in every generation, there is that enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But let me conclude with this thought, that the, that the possibility of us having that same kind of a walk with God that Enoch did is possible. It's divinely possible. How do I know that? How do I know that? It's because Jesus, when he came, he told us to take on his yoke. Learn of me, he said. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, what is the picture there? That there are that a yoke is something that two, two people, two, two animals, two whatever get into. And Jesus is giving us that picture. And here we see ourselves in one side and who is in the other. Well, if it's his yoke, it's him. Yoking ourselves up with him and allowing him to be the lead in that yoke. If he has promised us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light, and we are finding him to be the partner in the yoke, then we can realize that this walk with God is possible, divinely possible. The psalmist said in a very famous, used often, psalm, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. Walking through the shadow of death, thou art with me. There it is, a divinely possible walk with God. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. My dad's rod didn't comfort me when I was a kid. Hear me. My kids didn't, didn't appreciate, when they were kids, didn't appreciate the rod, the belt, or the paddle, or the spoon. I don't know what else I may have used, or what mama used. The Tupperware bowl. But the psalmist reached a point in this walking with God where he recognized that the rod and the staff, the corrective nature of, the, of God is there to comfort even in the midst of chastisement. The walk with God is divinely possible because he's promised to be with us. Jesus in the later days and hours of his life on earth, he told his disciples in John chapter 16, he said, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, or the King James translation says, the, the comforter, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now we know that that is the Holy Spirit, the, the comforter, the helper, the divine helper. The divine helper. Enoch walked with God. And it's possible for us by the same divine help, the promise that is ours, that the Comforter will be there to walk with us. It is to our advantage, he said, that he goes away because when he goes away, the Helper, the Paraclete, the one that comes beside us and, and walks with us step for step, lifts us when we need lifted. 
so that when we look behind us and we see one set of footprints, we'll hear the author of that poem say it in our ears afresh and anew. It was then that God carried us. It's divinely possible because we have his spirit. Enoch walked with God. and You and I can walk with God even today. Praise God. Let's stand together. Amen. We can walk with him. Divinely possible. I love that part. It's divinely possible. He provides. Praise his name. Praise his name. Trust you have a good week this week. Enjoying God's blessings. Keep our eyes upon him. Our hand in his hand. Let's be a a light for those around us. Praise God. Praise God. Brandon, would you dismiss us in prayer?